think. Oh. Uh, you all right, babes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember I said to you, I'm 37. I feel like I've not had enough drama in my life. Yeah. And now it's all just, I mean, I'm not going to go into it, but... Lots of drama. It has been like lots of one thing after another. So here we are uh, with our gin and tonics. Is it gin and tonic? <laughs> just a bit of voice warming up there before. Uh... <laughs> Lovely. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what you can do with your voice. Um, Mm-hmm. Is this a genuine warm-up? It's bulldog gin and tonic and a half a lime and some ice. Yes, and there's a semi-occluded vocal tract exercises. Blowing into your gin and tonic. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have to be a gin and tonic. <laughs> it does have Most to of the time we would just say water or something. But wow. that's genuine kind of a speech and language therapy. Excellent voice warming up. Excellent. But then it isn't, I guess it isn't New Year's Eve, the beginning, the dawn of a new year, every, every warm-up time, is it? No. No, it is now. It mm. is now. What's your New Year's resolution? We got one. Do you want like work or personal? I've only got one, so. Just be a better person, Leah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. Come I'm on. trying. Um, what is your actual one? Or um, both, both? If you've got both, you've got one for each. Go do both if you want to do both. Do them both. I think. Well, I have become admittedly and shamedly like uh, an aimless scroller. You know, it starts because work and so much work comes through social media and is genuinely really important and necessary for mm-hmm. my particular business model. Yes. But I have found myself scrolling McScrollerson all the way down. And after a couple of minutes, I'm like, what am I do- what, what am I doing? I have not achieved anything. I have not bettered myself. Nothing. Um, so, so what are you going to do about it? You're just going to remove your I'm thumb? I'm going to be more mindful about it. So every time I pick up my phone, I'm going to go, why, Nick? Oh, why? 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 <laughs> Great, good. And that then, um, like, good Nick's on my shoulder, like Angel Nick on my shoulder is going to be like, because you have to do your Instagram post for today. Yes, you Or do. bad Nick on my shoulder is going to be like, no reason, put the feckin' thing yeah. down. <laughs> Great. And we should say, Read by a the book way, or crochet or something. I don't think we've ever mentioned that fecking in oh. Ireland <laughs> is not a swear word. Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm so sorry. If anyone's offended by that. Yeah, no, it's alright because you can this... feck off. Yeah. <laughs> this episode um, does have swearing in it later, so just be warned. Do with that information what you will. We don't mind what you do with it. Some people, some podcasts, they say things like, um, "There is curse words in this podcast," so uh, you may want, you may not want to listen with children. You may want to listen with earbuds in. And I'm like, I'll take care of that. You curse just let words. me know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, if you're if you're interested in there being swearing or you'd like there to not be swearing or we don't care. Just there is swearing. Just stick your kid in front of the telly <laughs> and give it some chocolate. Okay, so maybe talking some of scissors. Might no safety scissors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For practicing it's um fine motor skills. Um <laughs> gross motor skills? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um so my, my New Year's resolution is when my kid says, Will you play with me? I'm gonna try a bit harder to say yes. That's a brilliant one. Because I'm always so stacked with things I've got to do. And, oh, no, I have to do this life admin on the computer. I have to do the dishwasher, whatever it might be. Like, just play with the kids. Yeah. Just play with him. So that's my, that's my plan. It's so much fun as well. Yeah. I've discovered that actually Legos and Play-Dohs and all that stuff is great fun. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Great. if you just put your phone away. Just put your phone and away and play with like, the kids. And, like, get on your knees and just have a wee go with the Play-Doh. It's great crack. Great, great. And so the other thing I was going to ask you is um, what... Do we see for each other happening in 2020? Where do you think? Where, what do, where do you think it's going to take us? Well, I think the buzz you got and the uh, talking to you after you'd done the voice directing was oh, yeah. wonderful. So yeah, I'd yeah. love for some of that to come your way. Oh, great! And other things that put you on the other side of the glass, because mm. I think you are remarkable when it comes to all the other bits of being a 
voiceover as well as being an amazing voiceover. I don't know if that makes any sense. I just feel like logistically you're great. Um, Energy, you're great. Connection with people, you're great. And you have a way of like getting into the core of a person. And I think that's really good for a director. And I think you... (laughs) Just going to shift the focus just a sec. Um, I think that you are going to go international. That's what I think is going to happen. I think there's a good chance. Like your voice coaching, especially. That'll take you international in some way. So we should revisit this on the 1st of January 2021 and have another like 10 minute intro all about how great we are because <laughs> like, that's what you love right guys like you just love us like I think that's okay we we give we, a lot to it? this we share a lot of info for people yes it's fine we can have one minute of self-reflection fine, fine, fine. and egomaniacal gin drinking yes exactly clink so oh, oh, that was a terrible clink on my finger yeah. in the way there we go. Also, it's not very clinky, these glasses, are they? Very cheap glasses. I see. <laughs> so anyway, talking of uh, New Year's, it being a new year, we have decided to kick things off in an epic way with an interview with Doc Brown or Ben Bailey Smith. Uh, he's uh, a rapper and a stand-up comedian and a writer, a children's book writer and a writer and actor. And they uh, do all those sorts of things. Those things. But we are going to claim him as one of ours. Because that man is a voiceover to the core. Oh, my days. He said, didn't he, that it's the voice element of his work that really, like, he really loves the most. And he's been, I mean, the stuff he's done, he's been the voice of Domino's Pizza for years. He's done animation and commercials galore, way more than anybody realises. But before we play the actual interview, this is a spot of housekeeping. First of all, the interview contains quite a lot of pub noises. So we recorded it at the Newman Arms, which is a lovely pub in London, absolutely lovely. But there's like beer barrels doing that sort of... Right, no, you know the sort of click noise. It Can makes... I change my what I see for you? You're <laughs> going to be that guy from um, Police Academy. Yeah, great. <laughs> oh, my future is set. Uh, also, hand dryers, annoying hand dryers. There's a few of those. So sorry about that. Um, and also, we've mentioned the swearing. Do with that information what you will. Oh, and also, uh, before he arrived, we were talking about the different areas we were hoping to cover, weren't we, you and me? And one of the things that I've been mulling over a lot recently was my suspicion that the word urban in a brief just means black. So you'll hear me being disproportionately delighted when we get to that bit. So anyway, (laughs) anyway, uh, we asked him, first of all, what his first real voice-only voiceover job was. The first time I remember, like, really using my, just my voice professionally, and it wasn't like because I was on a radio show or anything like that, was in a an amazing CBBC show called um, Big Babies um, and I was playing a playing a, a like an insane kind of uh, I don't know like ragdoll who, who sort of sounded like James Brown um, and that was the first time I remember like really like messing around with my voice for professional reasons but of course that's not Technically, a, a voiceover is, you know, it's animation. What do you um, sound like? Uh, it, I was I sort of based him kind of on the cat from Red Dwarf. Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, so he's very overexcited like that the whole time and just screaming all the time. So I, I, I didn't realize I, oh, I'm going to peak if I do certain voices. That I, <laughs> I did. I, I, I enjoyed it so much, but had not really thought about utilizing my voice in different ways which is ironic because that's all I loved doing as a kid was doing impressions of people in my family or friends or teachers and then uh, mimicking cartoon characters as well you know like, oh, blah. Oh, blah, blah, blah. 
Donald Duck was like one of my first. And then Kermie from Sesame Street, the piggy. You know, I'd be really into the Muppets and mastering these voices. And it was it was something that I did from like six, seven years old. But of course, you you never think at that age that it's linked to anything other than having fun. So winding up in comedy as I did which again was not a part of any plan it suddenly became apparent when I was doing Big Babies that I could utilise the thing that I've been doing all my life in a professional <laughs> way and um, I could really begin to enjoy my job it was, it was a complete it was a watershed moment in my career really because I did stand up for nearly 10 years and just never learned how to enjoy it properly. It always, I always found it really, really stressful. Um, and then, of course, there's a lot. There's a different type of pressure with acting and just being a face, really, being standing there in front of people and and presenting yourself uh, physically as well as emotionally. I've, I've always found troubling in some ways. Uh, and then the freedom of doing that first voice, you just suddenly realise you can do anything uh, in terms of creative expression because you feel the shackles are off. That's extraordinary to hear you say that because I think there's a lot of voiceovers and people who work in radio that sort of headed in that direction because they had self-esteem weirdness. Yeah. So that's interesting that that spreads to you. Yeah, definitely. You know, once I really got into it and realised how confident I was in that world, that feeling of being able to go to work in my pyjamas or, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> just that comfort. I, I, I think the main thing was, it, 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 still to this day, it's, it's the one area where I feel like I can go in and go, you know, I've, like I've got this. I know exactly what to do. And even if you don't like what I'm doing, I can give you like three, four other options. I would never have that confidence in any other area of entertainment. So, you know, like, especially when I'm doing cartoons, I, I'll, I'll come with five, six, seven different, completely different voices in my back pocket, hit them with my favourite first. And if they don't like that, I'm, I'm not precious about it. I've, I've got three, three, four, five, six others that you might like, you know. So I think I went on from that to doing uh, quite a few things for CBBS, which is like the younger, skewed um, uh, end of animation for kids I did a thing called the Numtums which was like an educational sort of a mathematical cartoon for kids wherein I played um, I played an old like an aged Jamaican aardvark I think or armadillo and I played like a young sassy uh, gay ostrich great yeah can you remember how they went super camp uh, the, uh, the the old armadillo guy he would he would just be there on on this side of this river bank talking you know to the little numtums who were <laughs> these little um, little uh, uh, meerkat things with numbers on their bellies you know and he would just give them some wise words and send them on their way <laughs> and then whenever there'd be an event you'd have this kind of host character who'd come in and sort of commentate on the event and then obviously loads of numbers said, and he was like this, 
So he would just be there, just absolutely effervescent and enjoying every single moment and camp as you like you with this the, ridiculous lift. The guy on the I, ceiling in Mary Poppins. Yeah, so I stole half of it from the dude from Mary Poppins, the lisp, and then the campness came from uh, a, a Warner Brothers character, no, Hanna-Barbera character called Snagglepuss. So both just characters I remember from TV and film when I was little, you know. And they just combine the two and create something new, you know. Yeah. So you've done then anim- a lot more animation than I realised. Um, yeah, tons. Also a huge amount of TV commercials. And I was wondering what... Well, you, you were doing it as your fame was increasing. Mm-hmm. But have you noticed the amount of work that you're getting in commercials especially has increased in parallel with that? Uh, in commercials, no. I'd say it, it, with commercials... I mean, I've always done the same thing. I've, I've turned down anything that's attached my face to it until very recently. I, I put my face in a in a cause advert, but that was a needs. I just bought a house, and like it was, they were talking silly money, and I was just like, you know what, screw it, I'll do it. Um, but other than that, I always had that rule. Like I'm just never putting my face to any product, but I will put my voice to various things. Um, but in actuality, another reason it's one of the proudest things, elements of my career, voice work, there hasn't been a huge shift. I got Domino's uh, long before I was a household name, if you like. Um, Same with stuff I was doing for Virgin, um, Vodafone stuff I did with Martin Freeman, the the radio campaign. Um, You know, a lot of that stuff, I wasn't a name necessarily in the mainstream, but within the world of, of of voicing, advertising, I was like just a super reliable presence. So I could save people money from early on getting in there and getting shit done in minutes, you know, 15, 20 minute sessions, just in and out. So, so people love me. It was actually less. Yeah, it was less about the name and more about that. Get that dude. You're and not gonna have to pay as much as you will for like. Uh, whoever the Rob Brydon, um, and you're going to get it done in like half the time. So, how much <laughs> were you also being booked though for your sound? So, like the London street sound. What what yeah, does that bring? That that was something that I definitely s- sort of had a lot of either casting calls or straight jobs for in the early stages, and then that changed quite rapidly when I started goofing around, you know, and working on other things as well, and showing people how elastic my voice was. I think a big turning point, I was doing a thing for Virgin Online, and they'd specifically said they wanted this street kind of urban voice, so I went in there and I just, you know, just pushed pushed my own natural voice a bit more to give it a bit more edge. And it was just one of those too many chefs things where there was like 15 people in there, and it, I, I recorded it, then I get called back a week later and they're like, yeah, could we have it? It's just a bit street, do you know what I mean? And we, you know, this is Virgin Online and we, you know, we're really trying to reach the masses and we just feel like that sort of, that um, pigeonholes it a little bit too much, it's too specific. And I'm thinking, fine. I mean, it's your product, it was your brief, you wanted the street thing, <laughs> I don't know, it's fine, like whatever you want me to do. So yeah, if you could just, 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 just pull back off that a little bit. And by the end, of course, it was just Virgin Online. Virgin Online. Virgin Online. There's, there's literally no street in there at all. It's, it's, it's funny how it works. Pe- I always say about the, uh, 
the advertising industry it's not like movies and, and TV and music they don't know what they want they, they know what they don't want right so you just keep giving them what they don't want until they've ticked all the things they don't want off the list and then the last thing they'll go okay boom that's what it is so the creators have no idea on your on on the agents your agent's description of you it's like blokey comedy cool is that a conscious decision to be slightly further away from the I had no room? idea that's what it said on there I, I, huh. I actually like to change that I don't I don't think <laughs> I don't think my voice can be pigeonholed I really don't I, I can imitate almost anybody so it's just like I guess what they put on there is what's natural mm. and what's natural is how I'm talking to you guys right now like how I talk all the time and some people want that they do want that when I was doing the thing with Martin Freeman they just like just 100% be yourself in fact I've never been involved in a campaign like that we were improvising a lot of the time and I was just like that blew my mind because I've done stuff where it's like yeah, it's just the way you say the. I'm not, not the, the. Can we just do the again? Can we do the? Give me a few what? Stop saying the. That, now the seems weird. You've made the weird. How have you made the weird? <laughs> you know, um, so I've never been in a campaign like that. But, you know, occasionally, yeah, they do just say, just speak like that. And that's, that's great and um, that's easy. But, uh, yeah, uh, what I would love to get across, which I think I've been doing in the past couple of years, is showing people the full range I mean I just had a my first animated movie came out yesterday it was with Nick Frost and Bill Nighy Gemma Arterton Luke Evans there's some great voices on it Tech, not really people who normally do voice work to be honest but um, you know amazing actors uh, but I play a super aggressive southern American goldfish you know, and, and that's what I'm talking about. That's, like, that's range. That's range. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, boom. There's that's there's my American goldfish, just in case you ever need one. And, and that's what I'm all about. I I, I love it. I, I did a show, one of my favourite ever bits of voice work, um, called Strange Hill High, which is like a haunted horror, uh, haunted high school horror thing for kids. And um, again, amazing talent on it had uh, Richard A. Awadi and. Carolina Hearn, rest in peace, and uh, and John Thompson, um, and we really were allowed to, you know, just run the gauntlet on voices that we could do. And John Thompson can do a lot of different voices, and I could do a lot. Richard Iwadi's got the one, but it's it's amazing and instantly <laughs> recognisable. You know, that just that, just that kind of nasal nerdy. So you've got all these voices in your pockets. Yeah, but. Do they come naturally, or have you worked on them? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't. I wouldn't know what working on them means unless, I guess, I'm on a job and they want a specific type of voice, and I've got to sort of. Is that happened? Get that? Yeah. I took, very recently, I'm doing a series of movies with Bear Grylls. He's doing some animated films um, for Apple and. Uh, it's sort of loosely based on his um, teenage life at Eton um, where he would bunk off lessons and go on little adventures but it imagines these adventures to be a lot bigger basically so he's doing all sorts of crazy stuff and his best friend is this uh, sort of black nerdy American kid and um, I would say there's there's been quite a lot of work 
on sort of ongoing work with trying to nail that voice because it's so easy to get into like black American and it's it, it's just as soon as you as soon as you lean into that shit it's like it's, it's already got some edge to it it's, it's like a little too cool you know what I'm saying not nerdy enough it's not nerdy how enough, do you nerd you know what I'm saying and then how do you nerd that up without it just turning into some white thing you know it's <laughs> yeah. just it's now it's way too white <laughs> so I found that really needed um did you work with Bear attention. on that then uh, yeah, but so Bear is like the kind of he's like the executive producer, but he also n- narrates it. But the character of Bear is him as like fifteen year old, so I've got a much younger guy. And the other pressure in it for me is that all the characters are fourteen or fifteen. All the actors are they're not fourteen or fifteen, but they're all like twenty, twenty one. Okay. Do you know what I mean? And I'm forty two. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So like I've also got to think about. Um, de-aging my voice because uh-huh. obviously I don't I don't sound like an old man you know I don't sound like Christopher Plummer I don't sound like you know Ian McKellen where you can hear that this person is in the later stage of their life at the same time there's an experience in a person's voice that you can just tell is not it's not a teenager you know so how do you make your voice more innocent how do you make it uh more hopeful how do, you, how do you put those tweaks into spoken word that isn't about being a teenager you're not saying hey I'm 15 isn't this interesting <laughs> hey it's my 15th birthday yeah. you're not constantly referring to your age so how uh, it's, it's so subtle I think what have, what have you done well I've got a teenage daughter it's quite a, a fascinating study watching her speak with her friends you know uh, Sometimes it's obvious stuff like lack of description. They just say like all the time. Right. Um, but a lot of the time, it's um, there's a slight, an ever so slight uncertainty in their very, very certain opinions. Teenagers, they 100% think they're right. But there's an uncertainty in everything they say that you just don't get from a person over 30. Like a person over 30, similarly, will think they're right about everything. But they're they say it with an authority that a teenager doesn't have yet, you know, and I think that slight uncertainty is what I put into that character and sort of keeps him on an even keel. And Do you try and raise your register yeah. at all? Yeah, pitch is huge as well. Mm. And I, I'm lucky enough to have a director on that who will just go, oh, you've, you've, you've dropped, you've yes. dropped. Because I have a, naturally my voice is, is deep, it's bassy. You know, have a very similar we've got to take the bass <laughs> right out. Yeah, people sometimes can't hear me in bars. My voice just sort of resonates Lots with the furniture. Bass. Need a bit yeah. more Northern Irish nasal yeah. sound Great. in there. Okay. Well, you Maybe want. more of a mank- cheeky mank- bit of twang. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm the same. My voice doesn't carry no. in those situations. It's very sad for us, isn't it? I will order your drinks in <laughs> Thank bars. You. Okay, guys, I've got <laughs> been heard piercing through the, the, the crazy mumble. Cheers, mum. <laughs> um, so you you mentioned urban in passing, mm. and I really wanted to ask you about that because. Okay. Multicultural London English, yeah. the accent and dialect. Mm. For our listeners, Nick, would you just break it down? She's the voice coach. Well, what do you? What's your opinion on that phrase, multicultural London English or modern London English? Yeah, I mean, it's. I always love. I. I. By the way, I should ca- ca- caveat this by saying I take your work incredibly seriously. Like vocal coaching, just incredible. Um, but I always bulk at the terminology around like. General American, I go for cast. General American, mm. 
I mean, it's, it's borderline racist. Like, what, what is general, what's general American? For the record, we so, don't like the terminology much either. So, you know, uh, I, the, the, all, those, all the terminology it means nothing to me. It really does. It means absolutely nothing. Because I look at the intricacies of what I know and the intricacies of what I don't know. So, for example, the dialect differences in the states. I could tell you West, vague West Coast, vague East Coast, vague Southern. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I'd start struggling with Midwest. I'd struggle with Alaskan, you know. And then as soon as you break it down into states, I'm screwed. And then bits of those states, the difference between North and South Carolina, well, the same no way, know. right? So, it, with and then with the intricacies I do know in London, you know, as, as I was growing up before it was even more diluted, like like it is now, even more mixed up and hard to, hard to define. Yeah, I probably could have t- showed you the difference between north and south or east and west. Now it's, it's very, very, very difficult. You know, L- London is one of the ultimate, if not the ultimate mo- mo- uh, melting pot in, in the world, on, in, on the globe. You know, you can talk about New York till the cows come home, but they don't really mix, not like we do, you know. So um, it's very, very difficult now to say this region of of London I, I just don't think you can do it sure. I, I just don't think you can well the multicultural London mm. English term means like that diverse bringing together of all the different people and all their heritages and all their accents mm. and just mashing up into something that has now become a definable accent that has also travelled so mm. I used to work at a school in Bristol and the Bristol kids there were speaking Bristol yeah, version yeah. of multicultural London you listen to rappers you listen to rappers now Used to like Slow Tie. He's a he's a huge rapper at the moment. He's from Northampton, <laughs> but you wouldn't guess that. I mean, that's it's practically the Midlands. Mm. But there's versions, yeah, like you said, there's versions of it all over the UK. There's a linguist called Rob Drummond. Georgia too. Smith. Oh yeah, I've heard of it. It's Richard Puzzle yeah. Jay. Yeah. yeah, Georgia Smith. Most people would assume she's a Londoner. She's from she's from Walsall. It's like regional versions of the same in Bradford. Yeah. Manchester has a version. But she speaks a version of that exact yeah, yeah. thing yeah. so I don't know I, I think it's it's indefinable it's, it's like it's really right. tricky it's very so, idiolect based I think I in, do not know what um, so idiolect is like your the personal individual idioms that go with your along with your accent so the right, things right. I might say versus somebody from my town who may say have the same accent but slightly different dialect influences so slightly different terminology maybe because mm. I'm from the country and they're from the town I see so with um, MLE or versions of in the whole of the UK um, it's as much about the the, the influences in your specific household and then the influences in your friendship group and it's so hard to pin down it's about finding as a coach the t- the the version that suits your cast type as, as somebody looks at you from an industry point of view mm-hmm. if somebody's te- learning that accent so so whatever it might be multicultural London English is diverse and wide ranging urban is just vague well urban mean, means less than nothing I mean, <laughs> in, in terms of like talking about human beings mm. because urban just means a built up part of a of the inner city I mean I think urban came into sort of fruition if you like or it became part of the lexicon purely because there was there's always been loads of difficulty around white liberals being able to say black yeah I told you there's nothing wrong with saying black like (laughs) 
it's, it's absolutely fine. I got fine. a script brief for about like last year sometime and it said like urban I was like oh I'm not sure I should be this is not my it's the same as the word street for me yeah like urban and street they're trying to just say somebody that's not white yeah some version of not white yeah and if it's if it's that you don't want you're like okay yeah but I don't just want black people do you know what I mean I'd also well I wouldn't mind some Asian people or I wouldn't mind some white working class people I always think just say that. Yeah, yeah. It's actually not offensive. Asian, white working class. It's, it's well, actually are... not offensive. It's it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's way more specific, and we all know where you're coming from. Yeah. I think the the, the vagaries around it are what allows, uh, in a way, it to still be a struggle for the genuine uh, black working class, Asian working class, white working class talent to break through because there's just n- nothing specifics being said. I mean, I'm, I'm loving the, uh, His Dark Materials at the minute on, on, on BBC One. But if you've read those books, the lead character, Lyra, she's straight up working class, street, white. If you read the books, it's in there. She, she, there's not an H that isn't dropped. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's constant throughout the book. She's a, she's a little scally, do you know what I mean? She's, a, she's just this little scamp who's, who's, who's <laughs> jumping off up and down roofs, stealing shit, running around, you know with all these little like street dwellers and they've just got the poshest kid to play her and she's good but it's like that's, that was an opportunity to just lose the PC thing and go you know what what we really want is just a bit of a just a bit of a, do- a bit of a dodgy working class white girl who just looks like she might have your wallet <laughs> yeah. but is a great actress especially you know what I mean? in, the, in the text yeah it, w- it, was, it was just such a great opportunity to go actually screw all that stuff this is what we need but it, just, it was never going to happen you know and it's, it's, it's a shame and I, I'm not saying it's all the fault of this labelling but a bit of bravery and just going actually this is what we want would make a difference I think Hello, my name's Josie Lung, and you are listening to The VoiceOver Social, and I hope you're enjoying yourself. You write TV commercials. Mm-hmm. Do you write rap TV commercials and other? Yeah, yeah, I do both. Tell me about them. Um... Well, How I think again it, it started through voice work. Mm. So there was times when I'd be doing voice work and the script was so bad, I'd tweak it. Or they'd say, um, "This is what we've written, but you know, by all means, just do what you would do." You know. So I'd do that a couple of times, and then at one point I'd call my manager and I was like, "Am I being funny?" Or like, because I'm just getting paid here to to voice this ad. But they said, you know, obviously, like, switch it around how you would switch it. That's writing, isn't it? And he was like, yeah, 100%. I'm talking to them. Don't worry. It's a good manager. <laughs> you know? Um, so then I realized, okay, hold on. Like, a lot of this time, they're hiring me because they know I, I'm a lyricist. They know I'm a writer. So when I come in, I can fix their ad essentially for free. Because they'll, they'll know that I'm going to go, that's shit. That's not good enough. Um... And I realised that I was being exploited. So it's, it, that's how it started. And then I thought, well, I might as well just offer those wares out, you know. 
I mean, all of this is happening whilst in the background I'm doing a job that is making me more and more famous every day, which was stand-up. And it was uh, destroying me, like, emotionally and mentally. Like, I, I wasn't built for the job, you know. Even though I knew I was good at it, it was just, just such a frustrating job to do. So I was constantly thinking about other avenues of making money and other, and other things I could do that would keep me in the world that I love, you know, the creative world, that wouldn't be linked to me being buff or being young or being uh, constantly funny or being on the zeitgeist, do you know what I mean? Like all these pressures that I felt went with the other work that I was doing. For, for, for right, I don't know if I was right or wrong. Maybe, maybe I was paranoid, but that's how I felt. And uh, I don't think it'd be paranoid to say like, showbiz will, you know, it will boost you up, and then it will just brush you aside when you're you're no longer commercially viable. You know, um, so I, there was a part of me that was thinking about that as well, and I was thinking about what can I grow old doing. And um, so whenever these little jobs came around I became a real I don't know bit, uh, just, I just really got on the front foot you know I'd just go sometimes I'd make friends with someone from the creative agency or I'd be talking with whoever any, anyone anyone who was pushing buttons making decisions and just put them to one side and go dude you know I'm glad we got the advert done I think it sounds alright but you're, you're copyright as shit right I'm telling you I could do a way better job than this guy <laughs> just just think about it can you I'm remember saying. a specific example um, or are you going to get someone fired <laughs> yeah I would, get, I would get someone fired if I thought of specifics but I'd say there's oh, I'd say there's more than 10 like plenty more than 10 that I've worked on where I've gone this is not this is not this is barely English you know it doesn't even make sense. It is excruciating. I don't feel like I'm in a position, to be mm. honest, where I can say, well, this is appalling. I don't want to read this. How does of anyone course. write it? Of course. And, we know, and, we know I, the shit when the shit comes in, don't we? Like, if yeah. you tell a bad script, you just might not know how to make it. Listen, I mean, my, my main job is, is, is acting. And uh, I, I go from job to job to job reading words that I think is absolute horseshit. Mm. But I'm, not, I'm nowhere near in a position in that job to say anything about it. With adverts, I think I, I could tweak something in the moment with no, putting no pressure on anybody and just say it in the booth. And they go, actually, wow, that sounds a lot better. That sounds a lot better. Or actually, that's really funny. Let's keep that in, you know. But then I will have to turn around and go, I did technically write that. <laughs> and, and when you're talking about 30-second adverts where there's like 18 lines of minimal text you know two of those lines that you improvised or you came up with in the moment and that made that, that that's a big deal because you know what's going on when you're not there there's, there's, there's hundreds of thousands of pounds going backwards and forwards backwards and forwards between guys going yeah I mean I remember doing this thing in Berlin for Capri Sun and I, I, I it was something I was voicing and writing and I'd uh, used the line um pop in the straw and they were just like you can't say pop and there was meetings around around it and uh, they were oh, oh, the Pringles oh, pop in the straw with the, yeah, pop right, in the, right. straw, yeah, right, the right. Capri Sun right but yeah they like it, it, 
it was like it was like I caused some kind of you know factor four earthquake because of the fear around Pringles and using the word pot you know oh. and and you it was the first time I remember realizing oh my god there's so much money at stake with these guys with every single word that is chosen for these tiny little bits of no- nothingness to the normal person it's just whatever it's that annoying advert you know but for us even just us as voice artists who are, you know we're the lower end of the scale of this whole machine we need to understand that as artists across the board I know in in the outside world they'll think oh you know um, voice voice artists are in a world that's like the bottom of the pile because there's there's music there's movies there's TV you know, I've worked in all of those industries advertising is the one that beyond the 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 the, the, the crash in 2008 still has pretty much the same amount of m- eye-watering money within it that even the movies especially in the British industry just can't compete with I mean I worked on a a, a, a Christmas campaign for a, a major major uh, brand a few years ago and the money that they put into one advert and various versions of that advert so a 90 second advert with a 60 second version a 45 a 30 15 and a 10 and radio versions the, the money for that campaign I mean it could it could have saved a couple of small countries <laughs> do you know what I mean it was mind blowing the, the cash they were spending so you know, you really get a sense, even when you're just there with your, your lemon tea saying some words, that the choice between pop and stick could be the difference between 100 and 150,000 pounds. Do you know what I mean? It's crazy. Um, you mentioned the Domino's advert earlier. Yeah. And I really enjoyed listening to that because it's, su- it's such a solid, hard sell. And I don't know about you, Nick, oh, it's brutal. I really Domino's. struggle with that like mm. I've got the energy for other things but the energy for like a, a hard sell like I, I, I can't find I wondered mm. how much like all your years of hyping rappers on stage yeah, yeah. feeds the confidence I, was, I think it's a big part of that I definitely switch on that part of me when I do dominoes and I have to say big up dominoes because they of all the like major companies that I work for just, <laughs> this is no bullshit with those guys they know what it, it is what it is we are hard selling this pizza it's got hot dogs on it we don't know why <laughs> we did one that was a burger it was a burger pizza and they were like yep yeah, that's what it is we're selling it same way I, I, and I love them because they don't pussyfoot about it you get you know sometimes you get these creators who just like muddy the waters and oh try and do something really different no you're not you know you're not you know let's just cut to the chase Domino's cut to the chase they know what it is it's this pizza it sells we just need to sell this tweaked version of it this month go you know and uh, yeah I mean it's a well-oiled machine Domino's and and when I go in there it's just game face on I just get in there I give it the energy that I know they want and that is it what's I guess if there's any kind of emotional resonance with Domino's is that they uh, when we started working together and, and they, again God bless these guys because they've been hiring me exclusively now for three years um, when I first started working with these guys they were putting together trying to get uh, musical rights for the advert and 
you know, all the ads that I've done for them have been about what deal it is this week or this month, you know. Um, so they had this snippet of a Mark Ronson song called Ooey, which features Ghostface Killer from the Wu-Tang Clan at the beginning going, yo, what's the deal? You know, so it's quite nice. It's upbeat. I don't know if you know the song, but it's very upbeat, uh, uh, sort of hip-hop-y kind of pop track. Uh, so you hear Ghostface go, yo, what's the deal? And uh, the reason I say it's got some emotional resonance is because, <laughs> bizarrely, in, uh, when that song came out in 2003, I was, I was quite good friends with Mark Ronson. He used to uh, DJ at a record shop that I used to work in. And uh, he ended up like hiring me for his band a couple years later when he started touring uh, in the build-up to um, making the album version. And my very first job for Mark Ronson was to recite all of Ghostface Killer's lyrics on that song, Ooey, you know, because Ghostface was never going to tour with him. And uh, it was a very early example of using the, uh, uh, the sort of impressionist skills that I'd always had from uh, a, a young kid, because I'd, I'd go to all these places with Mark Ronson and uh, I'd jump on stage and, and basically do an impression of, of Ghostface Killer, you know, doing, doing, doing like 16 bars of, of a verse on this song. And then I'd come and do like, end up start doing backing vocals on other songs. And, um, you know, we had Amy Winehouse in that band and, 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 and Lily Allen and Daniel Merriweather and Santi Gold and all these amazing people. And actually it just started to become this thing right in front of my eyes where I was like, oh my God, like, I'm just sort of in the, what do those backing singers in Motown say? Like 20 feet from stardom, you know, I was just like there. I was like, I'm really a part of this, like a tiny part, but I'm a part of it, you know. And again, like all because of my voice. So it was always funny, like, and I still, there's still a bit of it now. And I walk into those very corporate, you know, clean spaces and hear that song, you know, and do my, hey, 10.99, you know. Um, it's uh, it's a it's a funny blast from the past. Do you feel do you feel awkward the clash between corporate and musical artistry? No, 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 and I think it's I think it's the um, I th- honestly I think it's two things. I think it's the working class and the and the rapper in me, you know, because it's funny like in in hip hop there was always this thing about like oh don't sell out you don't want to sell out you know you don't want to cross over you don't want to sell out, and then eventually the whole of hip-hop became pop which is what it is now hip-hop is not an underground art form anymore you know it is pop the 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 stars of hip-hop are pop stars or rock stars you know and eventually i think what the art form realized was it was something that came from the street it was something that came from people who aspired to make something of themselves so making money should never be an embarrassment and, and throughout the history of rap you've seen an absolute exposure a proud display of hey I, I'm a rapper with a, a Nike deal I'm a rapper who's done a deal with Yves Saint Laurent you know you think like Lo- Loyal Kana um, one of the, the greatest UK poets of rap you know, his work is pure art it's not none of that sort of street posturing macho shit it's, it's poetry. He's got to deal with YSL. He's like modelling, and you know. And it's just you don't bat an eyelid. It's just as part of it. 
And I think for me that that's very much how I see it. It's like I'll make my money however I see fit. I'll put it into positive things, but I will make my money from pretty much whatever brand is out there that I feel like I could do a job for, you know, unless, you know, obviously we're talking about like horrific human rights abuses and whatnot. Have you, and what have you turned so, down? Because I turned um, down something for G4S, do you remember? I turned down something, politics and cigarettes, that's my... Yeah, my... Uh, I turned down a, 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 a money loan company, uh, I should say with sharks, um, I turned down a betting company uh, and um, why did you turn down one betting company and not the other betting company? Yeah, I mean, really complex. I mean, I, all I can say is human beings are, are nothing if not hypocritical. I think at the time I felt very strongly uh, that um, you know that betting was uh, a drug that was being foisted upon people who couldn't afford to when the fun stops stop. You know. <laughs> Uh, well, because the one that you did, Full Tilt, that doesn't sound like you. Did yeah. that make you feel better about doing it? Or did, had your opinion changed by then anyway? That's a very, that's a very interesting and strong question. Um, <laughs> Take your time. I think the thing with Full <laughs> Tilt, I think the thing with Full Tilt was twofold. I, I wasn't hired in a traditional way. So it was a friend who uh, was producing that advert. So he kind of kind of corralled me into it not that I didn't have a choice but I just thought oh it's, it's him do it for him it's fine so that was a part of it that sort of took the edge off um, the second thing was the voice was very very heavily directed so I gave them exactly uh, what they asked for and I've never thought of it the way you phrased it but I think it's a very good and, 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 and probing question and, and I'd if I was going to be brutally honest, I'd say probably, yeah, there, there's emotional distance you can create from really playing a character, which is, you know, what a lot of voice artists don't get uh, credit for. But a lot of the time we are sort of channeling a character or the character of the voice, you know, to, uh, to match whatever the product is or whatever the product might be. And yeah, now in retrospect of, of turning one down and doing another one, I would say it's always tricky to draw any kind of line uh, when you're talking about capitalism, right? Because I got, I, mean, I still have an ongoing beef with the, the Sun newspaper that goes back a, a good few years. Um, I don't know but, anything about that. What's the, what was that? Uh, I was approached by a charity, a women's charity, who were trying to ban page free. Uh, and I said, yeah, I'll support you. But what do you want me to do? Uh, and they said, well, you do a funny video about it. So I did a funny video. Uh, and by chance, I'm not saying it was my funny video, and it did get a lot of um, publicity, but by chance, the work that these girls had done in the build-up to that the pressure on the sun they they pulled page three quite soon afterwards but they kept a sort of a bit of a vendetta against me um and uh yeah they've 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 often said like unpleasant things about me and most recently they sort of fabricated a, a story about me and sheridan smith that was i was oh, like no. wow that's these guys you know you always think like newspapers are 
have got a lot of bullshit. But you don't know how much until it's about you. Like when you when you actually a hundred when you a hundred percent know what the hundred percent truth is, that's when you're like, oh my god, these guys can literally just make up anything. If if they can just say a source said, they can literally write whatever they Robin want. Robin photocopying said. So yeah, the source. yeah, and and uh, essentially it was like this story about how uh, me and her had this this huge beef because I said. Uh, how like I don't give a fuck about women in film and I, you know, I wasn't interested in female directors and all this it was trying to make me out as like some crazy kind of psychotic sexist right mm-hmm. and uh, I, it made me laugh in, in a couple of different ways so I was thinking when did you guys become like the bastions of <laughs> what women Feminine. want Feminine. and don't want like it's fucking hilarious Anyway, I, I, I never went back at them because you can't win against these guys. But mainly, my point is, right, I'm super anti the sun, yeah? But, like, I'll, I'll buy Sky Sports. It's all the same company. Do you know what I mean? I'd probably work for Sky Sports if they asked me, right? And so I, th- I think it's always very difficult if you're going up against capitalism to say, fuck that pound, but this pound's okay. I think that's very, very difficult. Because the journey of the money is, is more intrinsically entwined and more covered in cocaine and human feces and blood than we ever really want to know about. Yeah. So I think the older I've got, the more I'm like, I'll take my money from almost any devil and I will put it into something positive. Whether that positive thing is, is my daughter, right? Or whether it's the charities I support whether it's the community I come from, or whether it's to buy something nice for myself, you know? Is that, is that such a bad way to spend money? I'm not buying arms, you know? <laughs> well, I'm so to so the, the, way I, the way I see it is like, take that dirty money and do something clean with it. That's, that's kind of what I've aged into. I think in, in my 20s, I'm way more like, screw this company and you can't ever do anything for this person and that person represents this it's like the world's not that black and white it really isn't it really isn't you know and there'll be some beautiful green well-meaning upstanding company that you will sweat blood for that you find out is part funded by mcdonald's and you'll just have to work it out do you know what I mean? You'll have to work that out with you and your soul and with God, you know? And I think, you know, drawing lines for yourself that are so rigid, it just doesn't reflect where we are right now. And it just took me a long time to realize that. And it, this sounds like a way overblown way of saying, I just want to get rich. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, I just think, why should you struggle because you have a conscience, do you know what I'm saying? It, that doesn't seem fair at all. You know, if you can retain that conscience, make some money, maybe you could be one of the people who makes the real difference somewhere down the line, you know? Yeah. Someone's gonna do it. Yeah. Might as well be somebody with a conscience. Great, all right, I'll do it. I'll call G4S back up. <laughs> guys, guys! Get right on those vaping ads. Start <laughs> yeah. up in my inbox. <laughs> so your agent is um, United Agents, and they yeah. cover like everything, don't they? All the different facets. Yeah, I've of your never, career. I've never left them. I actually, funnily enough, was very relevant. I nearly left United Voices very early on because they just weren't getting me anything, and I just thought, 
this is one of the things I know, I genuinely know I can do and do well. Like, I don't understand why I'm not getting offers. Um, and at the same time, I, I was being headhunted by uh, Sue Terry voices. And, you know, they were saying, hey, look, we can get you this, we can get you that, we can get you that. And I was thinking, yeah, why not? You know, I spoke to my manager and he was like, dude, you know, I 100% am tied in with United. I love these guys, everyone here. But if you wanted to move voices, I would not stand in your way. So he, and he was like, just speak to them and let them know, you know. So I spoke to him and I was like, look, I'm, unha I'm unhappy. Sue Terry uh, 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 batting the eyelids and whatnot. And immediately they were just like, bang, we'll get you some shit. And they just started getting me stuff. And everything Leave changed. Today. <laughs> everything changed overnight. And I, I tell a lot of the, young, the youngsters coming into the game now, I tell them, you know, when we're having a drink and whatnot and they're moaning about not getting stuff from their agents, I'm, I always say, like, have you spoken to them? No, no, it's just really annoying. Like, there's nothing's happening. You, so you haven't gone in there and said, Nothing, nothing's moving. Get in there, man. Like, I think it's really easy for us to forget because we are the artists and we want to focus on, you know, doing our creative jobs. We're really shit at, like, just remembering that the guys that represent us, they, they work for us. We don't work for them. It's sort you know? of true, but also as like as as a voice without the other stuff, I see myself. I think you feel the same way, don't you? Nick? As, as a as a self employed entrepreneur making my own way, and I only yeah. got an agent very late on in my career, mm -hmm. and so I see that as a branch. Sure, I would like there to be work coming in from that angle, but I don't see them as like somebody who should be thinking about me all the time. No, and they never will be because you're never going to be the only artists that they have you'll be you'll be one of however many depending on how big your agent is at the same time if you i mean i don't know what your situation is but if i go off and find something myself i'm still giving my agent their percentage no it's, it's the same yeah, for some but not for we, because we're um prima i'm primarily like a home studio voiceover and my agents are extra but very much like 90% of my work is my own so you keep you keep, keep all that money yeah. Yeah. I mean if I had to go to, to, through a major every time I got like a 36.55 oh yeah no, no stuff like that <laughs> stuff like Big that stuff. I, w I wouldn't bother but if you know like I will, I will, I'll, I'll be I'll be in a pub you know in, in a certain part of London and start chatting to someone turns out they work in production or they work in advertising next thing you know you know they've said hey come and you know come and do this and it, it's it's two three four grand like, I've got, I've got yeah. to pass that over, you know. So it's, for me, it's, it's a goodwill thing, and more work will come off the back of it. The main thing for me is like, make yourself hot. Just make yourself hot. Make yourself undeniable talent. Like, this guy is, he's reliable. He's going to show up on time. He gets the job done. He gives you different options, right? He's not precious. And then he'll be out within an hour. He'll save you money. Like, get those thoughts in people's head and be in demand. And then the rest just sort of takes care of itself. So there you go. I, I really like the way he is. So he's like a masterclass in knowing your own worth. He just says, 
I'm great and here's why. And I think I don't I don't think I need this advice particularly because I don't think I'm like shy about that stuff really. But some people mm. don't acknowledge how great they are. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, hmm, eh, maybe that's me, um, then and if you don't have a New Year's resolution yet, then maybe be more Ben. Oh, my Could God. Be hashtag be more Ben. Hashtags. Hashtags be more Ben's. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. I think that's nice, isn't it? Um, talking of also not knowing who we are or what we're good at or anything, um, we uh, <laughs> have been telling people that we would like them to vote for us in this uh, Pod Bible Awards. Yeah. Um, and I mean, voting's over now. You can't vote anymore. But um, <laughs> we, Nick, Nick and I, <laughs> didn't really communicate properly about this. So um, Nick was saying, um, write in the little box the VO Social podcast, and I was writing, I was saying, write in the box the Voiceover Social, which is great. It's great. It's going great. And I think you basically tell us the same thing. But who knows if that might have an impact on whether or not we actually get on whatever list it might be. Yeah. But anyway, we're, we're the Voiceover Social because if people are searching for the word Voiceover in podcasts podcast platforms then uh, then they can find voiceover they can find it so there's no there's no panic room as you may have noticed because um, we, we're so chilled <laughs> yeah which is very no very panicking clinkily relaxed clinkily right now clinkily chilled mm. but that's mainly because that episode there that interview was I couldn't, not really cut downable. Yeah, yeah. Too much gold. Lose. Yeah, we didn't want to lose any of it. So instead, we are going to be doing something interesting, which we don't normally do. We are going to be putting the Panic Room as a bonus episode in the middle of this month, this month being January 2020. Uh, so you will only know about that if you've listened to this podcast, if you already subscribe, or if you receive the newsletter. I'm not going to post about it on social media or anything like that. You're special if you know about it. So special. So you can sign up to the newsletter if you haven't already by going to www.thevosocial.com. You can. And that's What's that? com. You have nailed it. Okay, good. That's right. That's right. Uh, so, yeah. We're going to change our sign-off? Are we going to oh, do it? So we change it. We're it took us 14 it. years to get the first one right. <laughs> it did. Uh, big shout-out to everyone who's listened from the start. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've said that before, haven't I? That, like, if you're if you're the sort of person that knows about the podcast because you've um, heard, like, seen us talk about it online or something, then you know of it as the voiceover social. And if you listen to it, then you know of it as the VO social. But if you have been listening from the start, then you know it as the plog. The plog, yeah, the plog. big up the plog. The plog. We made that word up, by the way. So if yeah. anyone else tries to tell you they made that word up, it's yeah. a podcast log. Th- it's a plog. It is. So we made it up. And it isn't so, even a podcast you know log. None of it makes any sense. Yeah, that's the brilliant thing about it. <laughs> yeah. The etymology is untraceable. Right. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. Ridiculous. Yes, ridiculous. So anyway, I've been Leah Marks. Hang on, what are we going to say? We're going to do it. We're going to move into the being the voiceover social. Are we? Oh, yeah. God, okay. It's happening. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, you start, you start, you start. Okay, I've been Nick Redman. And I've been Leah Marks. And, and we, we are, are the voiceover, voiceover social. social. Hey, we did it. That was easy, actually. It's meant to be. It's because we're pros now, that's why. We're a little yeah. bit tipsy. <laughs> Together till the end of the road. Together till the end.